my dad said to me at nine, you're black and you're female. It's going to be harder for you than it is for a lot of other people. So please don't grow up with a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so within reason, there is nothing in life that I cannot achieve as long as I work for it. You know, there's, there's nothing that I cannot do. And if I miss an opportunity, you know, it's, it's, either because one I didn't work hard enough or there is another blessing around the corner but I but I grew up not thinking that my gender or my race were a barrier. When it comes to your career there really is no one formula for success and if someone had asked me 20 years ago what career I would be working in today I doubt I would have said employer branding career that didn't even exist at the time. Some of the best stories I've ever heard didn't follow a plan. They simply embraced the journey. And that's why I've created this podcast, to share the many career stories that have shaped the people behind them, and to encourage future generations to trust more in the process, instead of stressing over getting it right the first time. I'm Steve, and welcome to the My Career Story Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the My Career Story podcast with me, your host, Steve Keith. Now this week I welcome the third of four special guests this month to celebrate LGBT History Month. I'm hoping to bring you the fourth at the end of this week as the month of celebrations closes for 2020, so look out for that. Now inclusion and diversity is something that I'm incredibly passionate about, which is why I was thrilled when the Business Book Awards, now in its third year, invited me to join the judging panel focusing on the exceptional book that promotes diversity category. Now the winners across all categories will be revealed at the end of next month, so look out for that too. And it's been incredible to read the shortlisted books, all of which were impressive and really thought-provoking, just like today's guest, Chloe Davies. Chloe is an activist, proud bisexual woman, mother of two, chef and entrepreneur who campaigns for inclusion and equality in social spaces, corporate organisations and the wider community. She spent over 15 years working in retail, artist management and PR before starting her own company in 2015. Chloe is Head of Partnerships for MyGWork, the global recruitment and networking hub for LGBT professionals and organisations promoting diversity and inclusion. Chloe volunteers with UK Black Pride, UKBP, as a strategic officer, working closely with the executive director and the board of directors to help shape the future of UK Black Pride. She is also an LGBTQ Women Ambassador, heading up community engagement. So I have Chloe with me today. Hello. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. Very good. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So I'm going to kick things off straight away and just say, Chloe, what's your career story? Uh, so at 16 and four days, my mum, who worked at Peter Jones in Sloan Square, said, I am cutting off your pocket money. You start on Saturday. Um, don't embarrass me. And so that was my very first job at Peter Jones. I was a Saturday only girl. And I remember my induction on the 2nd of October, 1999, um, where they said, one in two men here are gay. So if that's not something that you're comfortable with, then this isn't the place for you to work. And uh, I've been out since I was 15. So as someone who was openly bisexual, it was the very first place I'd ever been working where I actually, for all intents and purposes, never really had to think about my LGBT 
um, identity. It was it was just valid and it was seen and you know it was yeah. a, a wonderful place to work. I uh, I started in haberdashery and dress fabrics and I had a manager called uh, Mr Kent who basically said Chloe I see something in you um, and so I'm going to give you this opportunity I want you to go on and be great so I went on to the training management program when I was 17 um, and I was a manager by the age of about 17 and a half so um, 20 plus years later um, that's kind of like my first grounding of actually having someone who saw some greatness in me. You know, he was a straight white man um, who knew that I was openly bi, but just saw that I had, you know, the skills to be a manager. Um, and I think what was so great about being, you know, part of John Lewis was they had such an amazing L&D team. Um, and they really looked at trying to build you as an individual, build your own personal growth alongside your skill set. So, um, you know, I worked in, in, in retail for about 16 years. I was at Peter Jones. I moved to our John Lewis stores in Manchester. There were six senior managers around the business. They asked to move when we opened John Lewis in a centre. Um, and I was one of them. I headed up China and Glass and, and moved my life to Manchester for five years, which was awesome. I uh, then came back to London and I started working with uh, mums and papas and I then went to a PR firm and did some work there for about four or five months. Um, and then I moved to Lee Jeans. I opened their Westfield store and eventually became the London area manager heading up Westfield and Carnaby Street. And that was kind of really my first experience of you know, running my own business, everything was based out of, you know, Bonham in Brussels, that's where the head office was. Um, and so kind of really steering and having all of these skills where, you know, I had a team of my own uh, to, you know, do things from schedules to lunches to holidays. Um, and they kind of became my, you know, my first real family uh, because they were mine, you know, when you when you work for a big department store, um, you kind of, you have your team that is fed in by a customer service department, a HR department, but you know, when you're a London area manager and especially for a boutique, you know, boutique store, boutique field like that, um, you know, they, they kind of in essence became my babies. Um, and they're all actually, you know, I, I keep in touch with quite a few of them. They've all kind of gone on to succeed. So um, I went from there to Selfridges and I um, headed up Polo Ralph Lauren menswear on the first floor. But I guess, like anything, you know, retail is changing, has changed. And after 16 years, and, you know, especially as I said, my mum uh, worked at Peter Jones. She worked there for 35. I never actually wanted to be just like my mum. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I thought after doing 10, 10 years in one, you know, adding on a few more and 16, what else is it that I wanted to do? Um, I've been cooking since I was three. My dad uh, taught me how to cook for my grandma. And my best friend used to work at Pearson um, and he, he said, oh, you know, will you make me some cake? And I said, sure. And so I went to meet him for lunch. And if you know me, um, I don't really tend to cook by a recipe. I kind of just cook by sight or make it up as I'm going along. So I made four different cakes. I made a, an apricot cake, um, a, a chocolate marble, a chocolate and vanilla marble. Um, and then I made an uh, apri coconut with a very large helping of Di Serrano. Um, and I met him for lunch and I gave him these four little, little jiffy bags worth of cake. 
And when I met him, when he finished work, he said, oh, you have seven orders for cake. And I went, oh, yeah, 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 you know, like pull the other one. And he said, no, no, seriously, you have seven orders for cake. I shared it in the office. And so that's kind of the first idea of when I thought, okay, wow, you know, I could probably do this as a career. And so, you know, I set up my own business. I um, had my own cake business called Cleo Kennedy Cakes, which was often my grandmother. Um, and I would uh, do cakes for corporate offices. And then um, on the side, I would do an at-home dinner service. So I would uh, come into your house, uh, cater for a dinner party, load the dishwasher, and then I would go home. Um, and when you are self-employed, you know, you, you learn that it, it pays the bills. You have to kind of hustle harder. But from the same perspective, you know, when you are relatively successful and at that point, you know, I, I had some really great clients and had done, you know, some very special dinners, you know, it allowed me the freedom to, I guess, pick and choose as and when I worked and how often, you know, I, I, how many clients I saw, how many offices I catered for in terms of cakes and how many dinner parties, you know, I could do in a week or just over a weekend. And that was in 2015. And then about, I don't know, three or four months after I set up my business, um, I found out that I was pregnant with my first son, Miles. And um, I think I never really thought about myself you know when I've thought about maybe some of the struggles of my career and especially when you work in retail it's very customer facing um especially when you work somewhere where you know you have a parent and I resign myself to the fact that actually I'm slightly proud of it now but don't tell her um you know I I look a lot like my mum so everyone used to compare us you know oh, you're just Nicola's daughter so of course you're going to be good and so a lot of the times that I struggled when I was working at Peter Jones were, you know, my managers were also people that I had seen growing up. They were my mum's friends. You know, they said that they weren't going to give me any special treatment, but in fact, they were probably harder on me than they were other managers because they knew my history. They knew my mum and they wanted me to succeed, but it kind of was always delivered sometimes in the wrong way. So, you know, I had uh, one manager who said, you know, maybe if you wore a bit more makeup, people would take you more seriously. And it was one of the very first times that I ever thought, you know, what I, what I look like shouldn't actually define whether I'm good or not at my job. Um, you know, it should just be that I'm good at my job. Um, and that kind of stuck with me a little bit because especially when you've been a man manager really, really young, you kind of see the perspectives and, um, you know, my first foray into having my own area as a section manager, I went back to um, my original department. When they're training, they, they you know, they, they send you around. And um, I think I've managed to work in almost every department in Peter Jones, apart from large electrical and furniture, um, because they just really didn't interest me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went back to haberdashery and these are people that I started with at 16, you know, that I would take, we had an hour lunch break and I take an hour and five minutes. And, you know, there was me 17 thinking that I knew everything and really wanted to impress and, um, and do a good job. And, and I basically came in with this air of, you know, I'm the manager and you must do what I say, which was completely the wrong thing. And I had six months of absolute hell. Um, and in the end, I had to hold my hands up and say, Do you know, what? I'm really sorry. I, I you know, was trying so hard to 
be this person that I think it should be. And actually I forgot that I can't do anything without all of you. Um, I can't do anything without your support, but also your buy-in. And I will not do anything um, or ask you to do anything that I wouldn't necessarily do myself. And so, you know, that was, an, I think that was the very first lesson for me um, of really in anything that I do, it's remembering the people that I have alongside me and taking them with me um, and kind of coming back to that original thing with Mr. Kent, you know, seeing something great in people, no matter where they are in their positions and trying to amplify that as best as I possibly could. And so, um, you know, that kind of all came back when I found out I was pregnant with Miles and I thought, you know, what, what does the world look like for him? Um, I took a kind of conscious step back in terms of working. I was infertile for eight years. So, you know, when I found out I was pregnant, I really wanted to enjoy absolutely everything about my pregnancy. Um, and I had a good friend who said, you know, if you need, you need something to do, um, you know, they were volunteering for a pride organization and they asked me if I would come on board. So I did and came on as their PA. Um, I then moved to production assistant, then production manager. Um, and I was deputy director of community engagement and, and, you know, really being able to progress and help celebrate what's so important about being LGBTQ plus um, was phenomenal for me. It was really grounding. I've been going to Prides and Prides, you know, not only here in London, but around the world for, for a long time. Um, but actually being immersed in my own community was a phenomenal experience. And I met some really, really amazing people. Um, and I had the opportunity to help be the liaison uh, between UK Black Pride. And, you know, that was a phenomenal experience for me. And um, it also meant that I built these amazing relationships with these wonderful people, this wonderful group of volunteers who are trying to um, do wonderful things for their community. So we kind of now are fast forwarding from 2015 to 2019, oh my God, no, actually 2018, it has been that long. And um, I uh, was headhunted for my role at Diversity Role Models. I was their relationship and experience manager. Um, and then uh, I, uh, in essence, was headhunted for my current role, which is um, head of PR and partnerships for my G work. And I can honestly say, I absolutely love my job. I am a, you know, I'm a parent of two now. I have two boys, and being able to work for my community in my day job, and then to volunteer for my community alongside that in parallel, um, is incredibly powerful. Um, you know, I, I, I have the opportunity to really try and change culture, you know, change people um, and to actually make them more open minded of who we are as LGBT people. You know, as, as, as my friend Josh says, we're utilizing our existence and our conversations because what is normal. Um, mm. So for me, that that's really, really powerful. And, you know, I, I take nothing for granted that I'm incredibly lucky. You know, I have a role that is uh, flexible because that's what I need as a as a working parent. And so, um, 
yeah, you know, you know, when you ask what do you love or perhaps what do you not enjoy about your work, I don't actually think there's anything that I don't enjoy about my job, but it's taken me over 20 years of working to finally, you know, from that first place of where my identity was accepted to actually be somewhere where my career um, is thriving, but is also thriving in benefit of my community. Um, so those are, I guess, my uh, my day jobs. Um, and yeah, so it's two years now. Um, I am I'm back. You know, Lady Phil said it's time to come home, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so I did. Um, and I am the strategic officer for UK Black Pride, and it is one of the greatest experiences of my life, without fail. Um, being part of the volunteer core team for UK Black Pride alongside other amazing, you know, black, brown, LGBT people of colour um, across the spectrum is enriching in ways that I don't think I, I actually could possibly put into a small amount of words. It's very healing for my soul. It's amazing to see our community. And, you know, the saying is you cannot be what you do not see. Um, and so to be alongside this phenomenally strong, giving woman who has done so much for our community and continues to do so much for our community and to have, you know, this woman as my friend, but also someone that I, can share experiences for the benefit of our collective shared community. Um, it, it is powerful. It, it sounds very powerful. I'm just listening to you and thinking, gosh, it's amazing. It's, you've got an incredible yeah, you know, level I'm, of self-awareness there that a lot of people don't have. Uh, you know, I, I'm, my dad said to me at nine, you're black and you're female. It's going to be harder for you than it is for a lot of other people. So please don't grow up with a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so within reason, there is nothing in life that I cannot achieve as long as I work for it. You know, there's, there's nothing that I cannot do. And if I miss an opportunity, you know, it's, it's, either because one, I didn't work hard enough or there is another blessing around the corner, but I, but I grew up not thinking that my gender or my race were a barrier. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I won't lie and say that there are times where I am reminded, you know, there are times where unfortunately due to the opinions of others, I am I'm, uh, underestimated or I am boxed. Um, but that's, but that's other people. And so for a lot of times, you know, you find yourself navigating through spaces where, you know, you are, you are the only black woman. I, I, I'm now in a position where in all tents of purposes, my role is very senior. Um, I'm working in the community and I am quite visible, you know, not as visible as others, but with that comes its own level of responsibility. And, um, and you find that, at least for reflections of me, you know, there aren't many as I was as growing up and knowing, you know, seeing myself reflected, seeing other black by women who are visibly out. Um, again, there, there weren't many, you know, I can, I can count on less than one hand. And so, especially being a mother, and I think especially being a mother of sons, it was really important that 
my sons can grow up in a world where they can see themselves. You know, where we live, it's a very um, affluent area. We live outside of London. Um, but when we come into London to visit my parents, you know, my parents live in East London in Walthamstow, which has gone through a very, very awesome gentrification. Yeah. Um, but, um, but they're seen as little black boys. Um, and the world is not kind to little black boys at the mm. moment. So, you know, I, I, if I can help change the world for them so that they don't have to struggle, you know, I was bullied at school and I'm not saying that for a pity party, but you know, it's, it's, I look at it as character building, but I wouldn't wish maybe some of those struggles on my children. Um, and the only way that we can continue to make it easier for our children is to utilize difference, to utilize, you know, different experiences and, and, and making people open-minded to, to family and, and difference within family. So, um, yeah, it, it, it kind of became a little bit of a calling. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, it, someone said that the art of parenting is moving from being selfish to selfless. And at least I guess in my case, that is, you know, very much true. My sons are my first priority. So I think I'm always mindful. What does the world look like? And that I would like them to be proud of what I'm doing. So, you know, I have all these stories to tell them when they're a little bit older and they can kind of understand and, you know, I think coming back to now being the position where I am working for my community and doing so much, you know, volunteering for my community as well. I've had an amazing opportunity to to do some life changing, uh, some life changing things. You know, Lady Phil was a Grand Marshal for World Pride, so I was lucky enough to go and kind of see that from, um, you know, her lens last year, which was awesome. Um, I'm also an LBTQ women ambassador and LBTQ women is for lesbian, bi, trans and queer women uh, to inspire, inform and celebrate each other in and out of the workplace. And we held a conference at Microsoft during World Pride, which was for, you know, 300, 300 people from around the world who came and had some engaging conversation. And my dear friend, Amber Heights, um, who used to be the executive director of the Office of LGBT Affairs in Philadelphia, whose office created the More Colour, More Pride flag, which was, uh, you know, with the additional black and brown stripe. Uh, you know, I've, I've met some phenomenal people um, and I continue to meet phenomenal people. So, you know, I'm very, very grateful for where life has taken me for, you know, in, in particular, my LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. Gosh, you've done so much. I'm I'm really impressed. I mean, how you pack it all in as well, with all the different things, and like, it's a really real achievement know, there. I, I I I think that's you know, it's not for um, praise. None of us do this for you know a pat of a pat on the back. It's mm, just yeah. necessary. You know, we'll get to a point where. Our, our differences, who we are, is in the mainstream. But until we get there, you know, when I think about myself, when I think about Lady Phil, Josh Rivers, Phil Samba, you know, so many people within our community who are doing things to utilize conversation, utilize existence, Travis Alabanza, Monroe Bergdorf, Jamie Windus, Kenny C. Jones, you know, some people that I hold very, very dear. You know, we, we don't all just have 
one job you know we have multiple jobs because we understand what it means to um see ourselves reflected but also you know to empower ourselves um you know i'm 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 really lucky my dear friend aqua you know he has been such a source of strength and growth for me you know when you are surrounded by people who are doing great things uh, it, it can't help but amplify you uh, to the point where we are all you know it's not competition we are mm. actually empowering each other to be great i think that's probably the greatest thing that i've got from volunteering within uk black pride is that we are all empowered to be great you know we are all empowered to not only do this for our community but alongside that we all get something so great out of it um and and you know and that's why we continue to do what we can where we can lend our voices lend our strength yeah absolutely and i heard i heard you mention josh there i'm a big fan of his um busy being black uh, podcast yeah. uh regularly listening along to that one i've met him a few times fantastic advocate for the community as well though necessary conversation you know he yeah. he has a gift um that is so inspiring that that the conversation is so enriching, powerful. You know, you go on a host of emotions listening, but you the takeaway is life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Okay, so yeah, let pick, unpick some of the the things that you might have faced in terms of being LGBTQ plus at work and kind of. Mm -hmm. I've got notes here around some of the things that. I regularly kind of see happening or have seen happening in the workplace. I talk about about employers um, maybe failing to support well-being around the community, not necessarily um, supporting people who are feeling they're having to maybe hide who they are at work and mm -hmm. worries of judgment. But one of the things that I think you are a great example of and an advocate for and could probably speak towards is the the issue of intersectionality. intersectionality. Um, across diversity characteristics mm -hmm. what does being a black bi woman working feel like today yeah. I'm you know I'm I am black I'm bisexual cisgender woman I am a parent mm -hmm. I'm a mental health survivor and you know those are just five of the quite obvious things mm -hmm. um, and I you know i I would hope at 37, giving away my age, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really want to have to edit myself anymore. Um, you know, some of the experiences that I've had, you know, I had a manager that said, you know, when we go to this next meeting, you can be the black bisexual mother of two and I can be the typical white gay male and we'll tick all the boxes. Um, and I think sometimes I find, you know, from my own community, it, it, it's the harshest. Um, not understanding that, you know, as a parent, that, you know, as I mentioned, that flexible working element, my son, they need to go to nursery. Um, so, you know, Thursdays and Fridays, I would need to start later, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm clocking off at five. More likely, I'm still working until half past eight because I have two mouths to feed um, or that, you know, you want to, Friday, I need to have an extra half an hour because I have therapy um, simply because, you know, the existence of being me means that, you know, I also need a bit of support and, and that helps keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, and that journey within itself is, 
uh, has been a difficult one. You know, I'll always be an advocate for mental health. And, and I think in particular, you know, especially given, you know, what happened, you know, unfortunately over the last few days and yeah. you know, the, the loss of Caroline Flack, you know, my mental health journey, my uh, cousin uh, completed suicide when I was 14 and mm -hmm. he was 18. Um, but I wasn't actually diagnosed until I was 24. And that came about because I had a complete mental breakdown. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I had an amazing therapist, counsellor, Diane, who, you know, really, really helped me. And again, I'm very grateful to, you know, John Lewis, who provided that service as part of their employee benefits. And this is going on 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and they were really really supportive in trying to help me um you know to support me through my career and you know they provided that as part of our employees employee benefits and so diane really helped help me rebuild my foundation for myself and throughout you know that time since i've had moments where um you know i've been close I, you know i had another breakdown four years later and um unfortunately had to divorce myself from my uh from my family um or we had a trial separation and you know i i laugh and say i dated my parents my parents would come one day a week and and you know i'd have lunch individually with them and we got to relearn and re-understand each other because you you know you also have to understand especially in my from my perspective you know it's not only being black and not only being bi you know i'm the eldest so all of those elements, but it's also cultural, you know, I, you know, I come from an African-American background. And so, you know, when we're talking about being LGBT, that's also not something that's openly discussed. And so there was a real education piece that I had to go through with my parents of who I am and who I am now, um, based on who they thought I was or, or who they would like to help me be. And actually, you know, I'm an I'm an adult, and we have to meet each other where we're at. And I think that's that's very very difficult for parents to kind of go through and understand, especially when, um, you know, culturally your existence isn't really something that's talked about in the mainstream. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's kind of as we as we now come to now. Um, it's actually that it's you know okay to talk about all of these things and and you know I, I find that the last few days have been quite triggering <coughs> very triggering for some um, but it's but it's it, it's okay to actually say that it's okay to you know utilize the conversation of mental health because we all go through it um, you know and trying to encourage more businesses to you know, to talk about it. And as, as I was mentioning on my own particular journey, it's taken me about 18 months to find a counsellor who identifies in a very similar way to myself, um, simply because, you know, I wanted to really get the best that I possibly could out of therapy um, and not spend half an hour explaining my very lived experience to then spend half an hour unpacking, you know, what's gone on for a week because, you know, the representation is incredibly important, uh, but also it's about how we apply our own self-care and our own safety and our own safe spaces. And, you know, for me, keeping, keeping my mental peace safe is incredibly important. Wonderful. I'm just, I could listen to you talk for hours. <laughs>
I, 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 I kind of don't want to cut you off, but I'm just, I want to kind of ask, take you um, uh, to, to the question that you, you know was coming in terms of what career advice uh, you might give people that are listening. Um, before I do that, there's something that I did just want to ask around. Um, there's, there's a report that I was enjoying reading a few uh, weeks ago that PwC had published around the realizing the full potential of LGBT plus um, talent. And they'd, uh, and within that, they'd suggested that those of us that identify with the community in terms of that coming out experience, which to be fair, we have to do time and time again, it doesn't just happen once. Um, helps us in a way to develop some skills and abilities that other people might not, might not necessarily have strengths in. Um, and they've noted resilience, authenticity, empathy, adaptability, and I'm hearing all of that coming from you, but what advice would you give people that are listening, um, either just generally about navigating their careers or navigating their careers as somebody who identifies with our community? Okay, um, so I guess I'm, I'm gonna pick up on um, one of the questions that you sent me about uh, what have been one of the milestones to then answer this one. So um, I was really lucky to go to uh, Out and Equal for my second year. Um, and Out and Equal is the biggest workplace advocacy, sum advocacy summit in the world. Uh, over 6,000 people across the spectrum alongside allies. Um, and this year it was, or well, last year it was uh, held in Washington and they very kindly, um, you know, they asked me to speak at the global dinner um, I closed out the women's breakfast and then I, I did a, a people of colour panel and that was a, a, a wonderful experience but also a quite traumatic experience you know it was two hours we were going to have a mixer afterwards I think there were about 400 people there amazing conversation very much needed what sat with me most though were all the people that got up to ask a question or that needed some advice and were you know struggling with things or didn't know where to go and as three panelists and you know and, and the facilitator we all kind of gave our response but the thing that I kept saying to people and this would be my advice to people moving forward is you know when when you come from a marginalized part of the community and and as lgbtq plus people you know that is our background that we come from a marginalized part of the community and then within that there are other struggles that are amplified on top i think the thing that i have discovered most is about assessing my surroundings so you know i've, I've navigated through a career that you know is very white-faced white-led I went, I went to a very um affluent school where there weren't many reflections of me but what I did learn was in kind of taking that step back and assessing where I am I found my true allies you know Mr Kent was my first one and I've continued to find those people in business and I've continued to find those people who have seen the best in me and so therefore they help become my advocate and just kind of tried to learn best practice so you know the game of life and it and it is a game you know we will continue to be in situations where they might cause us some issues or continue to be in situations where we don't necessarily feel seen we don't necessarily feel accepted 
And that within itself is traumatic. That within itself is incredibly hard. I guess my saving grace has always been that I've managed to help myself navigate through that by assessing what it really means, where I really am, and actually asking myself the really hard question, do I want to go through this? You know, when I've faced adversity, like someone saying, you know, if you wore more makeup, actually for me, it made me really hungry to prove that I was incredibly good at what I was doing and didn't need to wear makeup. So it inspired me to be great. It, it, you know, it gave me, it gave me some fuel to me. And so in, in any industry that we're in, you know, we know our own self-worth. We know, how good we are sometimes it takes somebody else to help remind us um and so i would inspire people to go and find those people whether it is your friends um who are giving you that that boost from behind the scenes or whether you find an advocate within the workplace and and sometimes these people aren't necessarily going to come to you you know you might have to go to them and we take for granted how powerful it is to network you know, some, some of the greatest experiences that I've been fortunate to, to enjoy, to experience have come from, I met someone at a networking event, you know, we shared business cards and very big advocate for old school. Um, and from that conversation, a coffee, you know, a, a telephone call, it's meant that I have managed to go on to do something or I've managed to help somebody else do something that furthered their career. And so, you know, getting back to that, that part of where we're talking to each other, where we're networking to grow, or even just to build our address books. You never know when you might need to call on somebody and having, you know, the power of your address book is so strong these days. It, you know, we take for granted what that really be. So um, for me, yeah, navigate your surroundings, the power of your address book and also just sometimes communicating getting your face out there people you know people remember great people um but sometimes you have to put yourself into those spaces so uh yeah just be brave excellent i love it thank you so much for sharing your story with us um today chloe i'm going to um include some links in the show notes through to um anything that you want to send over for listeners to to connect up the dots and, and see the, the great work that you're doing, particularly yes. around um, UK Black Pride as well. Um, so thank you for that. Um, to everybody that's listening, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, then please do, please do give us a review. Um, and um, I'll be back next week. So thank you very much, Chloe.